Welcome to the Christian Worship Center podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you. Visit us online at cwcbayarea.com for service times and directions. Revelation chapter 4, verse 11, if you're there, say amen. We've been speaking on purpose-driven life. They say the average human lives 25,550 days. It makes sense that if we live 25,550 days to take 40 of those days and find out why we are on earth, what our purpose is. And that's what we're doing as a church. We're taking 40 days to take time to establish, to recognize why we're here on earth, why God placed us here. In Revelation 4.11, it says this, today we're going to go over the first purpose by which you were created. For you, were create, for you created everything. For it is for your pleasure, someone say pleasure, that they exist and were created. Bow your heads as we pray. Father, help in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him before you're seated, you were created for God's pleasure. Don't get nervous, babe. You were created for God's pleasure. Revelation 4.11 says, "For for you created everything. And it was for your pleasure that they exist and that they were created. So purpose number one is that you were created for God's pleasure. Everyone say pleasure. Now, this may sound a little little egocentric on God's behalf, that God would create mankind just to please him. But I want you to know that it's actually a great act of love, that God would actually create man. He didn't have to create mankind. After he was there in the beginning, he'll be there at the end. He was never created. God could have just went on and existed. But God wanted to share his goodness with humanity. So that's why he took time to even create Adam and Eve, knowing that they would turn their back on God. And so I want to submit to you this morning that God loved you so much that he created you. That God believed in you so much that he wanted you alive. That you are so important to God. And so I need you to understand that you are not insignificant. You are not someone that doesn't matter. You are not the least. You are above. God calls you the head and not the tail, a lender and not a borrower, above and not beneath. You need to understand and get a revelation of who God says you are. You're not what your parents say you are, not what your friends say you are, not what your enemies think you are. You are everything that you are the apple of God's eye. Then about right now, you should be feeling a little special. Someone say amen. And so I want you to understand something. When we think about God creating humanity for his pleasure, that sounds a little egocentric, but I need you to understand it in this this mindset. How many parents do we have here? How many moms and dads, okay? Why do you have kids? What was the reason you had kids? Not for a tax write-off. They cost more. I wish it was for more, more tax, but the reality is, is my kids are grown. I can't write them off no more, even though they still live with me. But I want you to understand something. We have kids because for our pleasure. I don't know about you, but when my kids were small, I loved watching them eat. No matter how much it got all over the place, most of the time it wouldn't even make it in their mouth. But I used to love watching them feed themselves or when after as they got older, being able to provide the things that they need or even walking in their room when they were a baby. The very first time we brought our baby home and just standing over the crib 
and just making sure they were still breathing. Watching them sleep brought me pleasure. What I'm telling you is how much more pleasure do you think God gets watching you? How do you think God feels that you're alive, that God is, has the ability as a parent to watch you, to keep an eye on you? You see, everything that we have around us, everything that God did in the book of Genesis, the last thing God created on the sixth day was you, was humanity. Why, why did he do that? Like, like, a, like a parent getting the nursery ready for his, the baby coming home from the hospital, God got this whole place that we called earth and prepared it just for you. The heights of the mountain were for you. The depths of the sea were for you. The vastness of the valley was for you. The snow, the sun, the beach, the, the, the mountaintops, all those things God created so that you can enjoy. But I want you to understand this very closely. God created created this earth so that we could enjoy it, but God created you for him to enjoy you. Oh, no, you, you didn't even catch that. You, it, that just went over. God created this beautiful place we called earth for you to enjoy, walk. We've gone to some places as a family that I'm just like, wow. We, we took a helicopter ride through the Grand Canyon years ago. And to look at, at, at the vastness of that, God created that for us to enjoy. But God created you for him to enjoy you. And see, I want you to understand something. Is that you're important to God. You are important to God. Give yourself a self-hug right now. I know you did that last week, but we're going to do this a little bit, okay? Just, just if no one else hugged you this week, I want you to know that you're loved. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5. I said yourself, bro. Come on, man, yourself. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5 says this. God had already decided through Jesus Christ that he would make us his children. This was his... This was his... Oh, it's not up there. Hey, what happened? Ephesians 1, 5. Okay. This was his pleasure and his purpose. His pleasure and his purpose. That's why God created us. God created us for his pleasure and for his purpose. God created each of us with the specific ability to enjoy pleasure. Let me ask you this. What are things you like to do? What brings you pleasure? Keep it clean. What was that? Working. Working. When you work and you, you get something done, you know, as a man, we identify with the things that we do that brings you pleasure. What else? Eating. <laughs> amen. Someone say amen. I'm the midst of that 21 day fast right now. I, I, I miss it. I miss it right now. I would just I just miss it. So, um, you know, with that. God created you to enjoy. Right now, many of you Niner fans are getting ready for the game. You enjoy watching. Uh, you enjoy watching sports. You enjoy winning, things like that. God wired us with the ability to enjoy pleasure. And God is, we are just like God. God enjoys things as well. God created us in his image to be able to enjoy things. And when we bring pleasure to God, someone say pleasure. When we bring pleasure to God, it's called worship. 
When you bring pleasure to God, it's called worship. The Bible says in John 5, 23, it says, For God, for the Father seeks worshipers. He's looking for people that worship Him in spirit and in truth. God is looking for worshipers. God is looking for those that are worshipers. God is looking for those that, that, that worship Him. And so I want you to know in ver- Psalms 147, verse 11, it says this, The Lord is pleased with, those, with only those who worship Him and trust His love. I want you to understand very quickly, every human being has been wired with the need to worship. Every human being has this internal need to worship someone or something. God wired that in our DNA. We have been wired to worship. You can go to the remotest parts of Africa and find people that have never heard about God and they're worshiping the sun, they're worshiping trees, they're worshiping things. Why? Because every one of us has been wired to worship something, even if it's the wrong thing. How do I know that? I see all these people running around with jerseys today. No, no, listen, listen, it's it's an act of worship. It's an act of of, of fanfare. It's an act of, of passion for something or someone. See, I need you to understand, there's nothing wrong with that. I, I, I love my teams as well. But I need you to understand that worship is a universal urge. Every one of us has a pull to worship someone. It was hardwired in the DNA of every man. But I want you to also understand this. Rick Warren said, if we fail to worship God, we will always find a substitute, even if it ends up being ourselves. If we don't worship God, if we don't find the right person or the right thing to give our worship to, we will find other things to replace where our true worship should go. Even if it ends up being a sports team, yourself, money, or whatever it might be, there are things that we have a need to worship God for. Anything you do pleases God. Anything that you do that pleases God is an act of worship. So I need you to understand, we did not just finish worship a couple minutes ago go that wasn't worship that's part of worship but for us we're like well I'm I'm gonna get to the worship service or you know I don't need to make it to the worship service I just want to hear the word (coughs) worship is what you were designed for you were created for the ability to bring pleasure to God but your worship doesn't happen with these instruments worship's not about music Have you ever walked out of a worship service and said, man, I didn't get anything out of worship today? Or worship wasn't very good today. Troy wasn't there, so worship wasn't very good. You know, G didn't sing today, so it wasn't very good. They did the acoustic set. I hate when they do that one. Whenever you walk out of here saying that you didn't get anything out of worship, that's okay. Because worship's not about you. All these instruments and everything that we see here today, when we get together to sing, that's for the audience of one. That's for God. When you sing, you're giving God your best. So I wonder, when you come in, are you giving God your best? When we show up late to worship, are you giving God your best? That when we sing a song and your hands are in your pocket, thumbing through your phone... Is that the worship or the best that you can give to God? 
Is that the kind of worship that God deserves? When we talk about worship, anything you do, someone say anything. Anything you do could be worship unto God. Anything, because worship is a lifestyle. Worship is more than music. It's not about the songs we sing. Now listen, worship is not the preliminary to, to, to the preaching. It's not about a style of music. I like funk, I like R&B, or you know, I like the acoustic thing, I like country. That says more about you than it does about God when you talk about worship styles. It's not about the speed of music. It's not every part of the service is worship. We're worshiping right now. If you're paying attention, taking notes, if you're giving God your best right now, as you're sitting in your seat, you're worshiping God. See, worship's not for your benefit. But you know what? How many of you have ever in your worship got blessed? There's a fringe benefit that in worship you get blessed sometimes, but that's not the purpose that we worship so that we feel good. We worship to honor God, not to feel better. And sometimes we're always looking, well, what's in it for me? Worship, if God never healed another body, set another person free, never answered another prayer, never showed up and gave you tingly feelings, never made you feel like crying out of joy, and never answered a prayer that you have from here forward, never healed another body, if God never did that, he is still worthy of praise. I don't think you really got that because we think of God as genie. We're, we're, we're rubbing the lamp. We're in the Latin generation. We think of God as a genie that we rub the lamp and then God meets our needs. God is God. What makes God God has nothing to do with what, what he does for us. Now, I'm grateful God does those things for us. But God is worthy of praise whether he does those things or not. See, I want you to see something here. Worship is not part of your life. I can't sing. See, if worship was only about those that can sing, most of us would be eliminated. <laughs> only a few of us could worship. Only a few people could worship. And I tell you this, I thank God that worship has nothing to do with my ability to sing. Somebody say amen. amen. Worship is not part of your life. Worship is your life. I want you to understand worship is your life. Everything you do can be an act of worship when, when you do it to, in, in a manner that pleases God. Now, Colossians 3.23 says this. Whatever you do, someone say whatever. Whatever you do, work it with all your heart as though you are working for the Lord, not for people. Let, let me put it this way. While you're wrenching on that car... While it's cold inside that, that, that shop bay and you just got done nailing your, your knuckle up against the engine compartment because the, the wrench slipped, that's worship unto God. That while you're selling that insurance policy, presenting a financial plan, if you're giving it your best, you're worshiping God. That when you go and you answer that phone call and you do it with a grateful heart and you, you, you're, you're responding to the people with generosity and love and understanding, then you are worshiping God. 
everything you do, everything, every, when you get up in the morning, you start cleaning the, the bathroom or taking a shower, or combing your hair, if you have hair, whatever it is, that whatever you do, you do it as unto the Lord. Everything you do becomes an act of worship. While you're driving down the street, you're worshiping God. When I'm walking my dog, I'm worshiping God. When I sit down and eat breakfast, I'm worshiping God. When I go to bed at night and lay my head to rest, I thank God for the day. I'm worshiping God. Even in your rest, you're worshiping God. Everything you do is an act of worship unto God. Somebody say amen. amen. Romans 12, 12 puts it this way. This is the message version. So, here, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, your eating, your going to work, your walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Everything you do as unto God. Everything you do. Mundane things can be an act of worship. Put, put it, as we, we get ready to bring this together this morning and close, Mark chapter 12, verse 30. I want you to look that up, okay? Look, Mark 12, 30. If we don't have it on the screen, I want you to pick it up on your, on your phones or, or something because this is probably one of the most important scriptures that we find in, in the Word of God that Jesus gave to us, okay? Mark chapter 12, verse 30. If you have a cell phone, you type it in. If you've uh, got your Bible, Mark is the third of the Gospels. If you're there, say amen. 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 Okay. If you're not, say oh man. Okay. If you didn't bring a Bible or a phone, say oh man. See, everyone got a phone in this place. Check that out. Okay. Mark chapter 12, verse 30. This is Jesus uh, speaking. Love the Lord your God with, everyone say all, all. your heart and with all. your soul and with all. your mind and with all. your strength. God identifies there's four aspects that we are to give our best to God. In other words, when he says all, if you eat all the spaghetti, how much is left? Okay, that means there's no leftovers. God wants to make sure that when we love him, we give him everything. That when we get ready to do the first fruits offering, we're giving God the first. We're giving him the best. We're not taking, we're not paying all our bills and doing everything and then giving God our offering. We're giving God the first. We're saying, God, I want to give you the best. If I were to offer you this water and I asked you if you wanted a drink, you're going to want the first drink, not the last drink, right? That's what an offering's all about. You're not going to want it something that I drink all the way down to the bottom and then I give you the leftovers. Why is it that we always give God our leftovers of our money, our time, and our talent? God doesn't want leftovers, so he says this. Let me give you three things on how your worship should be, okay? Number one, someone say number one. Your worship must be passionate, passionately. He says with all your heart. Worship must be passionate. It must come from your heart. And when we talk about our, I, I tell my wife, I love you with all my. 
When we, when we talk about our heart, we talk about our passion, our affection, our commitment. He's saying, God's saying here, if you're going to worship me, worship me with all your heart. Worship me passionately. The first reason you were placed on earth was to get to know God and to love him back. Let me read a couple of scriptures to you to kind of unlock this principle. For he is a God who is passionate about his relationship with you. In Exodus chapter 34, verse 14, in Hosea 6, 6, he says this. I don't want your sacrifices. I want your love. I don't want your offerings. I want you to know me. God wants your heart more than he wants your wallet. He wants your heart. But he understands this, that many times our passion is more for things than it is for him. But if he can get your wallet, then he can get your heart. Because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so the battle for the affection that we go through is that we're trying to get stuff over God. And I want to encourage you today. More than anything, God wants you. And when you worship him, worship him passionately. Man, we have no trouble. I've heard people say when they come to church, well, pastor, I'm just not very, I'm a pretty reserved person. I'm just reserved. That's just not my style to shout, to clap, or, or to scream. Why is it then when your team scores a touchdown? What, what happens to you then? What, 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 what's, what transition, what translate, what, what happens in you that sparks and ignites a passion inside of you that all of a sudden wakes you up. God wants that passion. God wants that heart. God wants that intensity. God wants you to worship him passionately with all your heart. He wants all of you. And the greatest way we express our love to God is by giving him our lives. Stop holding back your life from God. Give God all of you this, this morning. Amen. Someone say number two. Number two, first one's passionately. Second one, love the Lord your God with all your heart and love the God, your, love Lord your God with all your mind and all your soul. We need to worship God thoughtfully as well. Amen. Now, I'm not saying to be considerate. I don't mean, hey, he's such a thoughtful person. In other words, this, God doesn't expect you to check your brain in at the door before you worship. If I tell you right now, if I come up to you and say, man, you look great, man. Man, you look great. Man, I just, you look great. You look great. I keep telling him 10 times, you look great. After the 10th compliment, he's going to stop and say, well, what's so great about me? Come on, give me some details. And when all we say is, God, I worship you. I worship you. Lord, I worship you. Lord, I, I worship you. I worship. Well, what do you worship? What about me do you worship? No one wants a fake compliment. No one wants a compliment that's not detailed. When you worship God, worship him thoughtfully with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your soul. Make sure that when you're speaking to God, in fact, take away the word praise when you worship. Come up with other adjectives to identify, to accentuate, to, to, to recognize who God is in your life. That when you worship, you are worshiping with all your mind. Your mind is connected as you worship. Don't disconnect. Don't disconnect from what you're thinking. In what you're saying. Involve God in every aspect of the things that you say and worship God 
thoughtfully. Come on, someone, someone say amen. So I need you to understand that mindless worship is meaningless worship. You compliment me when you have no idea why you're complimenting me. You're, you're just blowing smoke my way. Don't do that to God. God knows what you're doing. Amen. Listen, God wants you to utilize your mind during worship. Why? Because God focused on you. God wants your focus to be on him because his focus is on you. How do I know that? Psalms 139 says this. You have looked deep into my heart, O Lord. You know all about me. You know when I'm resting. You know when I'm working. You notice everything I do and everywhere I go. God knows everything about you. How is it that we think we can hide from the eyes of God? And yet even when we try to hide what we're doing from God, God still loves you. He loves you. He loves you. But don't mistake love for approval. Let me say that again. Never mistake love as approval. I love my daughters, but it doesn't mean I've approved of everything that they've done. And I love them, and that love will not change. And in this society today, what we've done is we've transitioned that if you love me, then you accept everything about me. Love does not mean approval. Love sometimes has boundaries that says, stop here. I stop my grandson from touching the stove or the fireplace. Why? I don't want him to get burned. I will care for him. Sometimes love sets boundaries and says, you can't go any farther than this, not because I hate you, but because I love you. Number three, someone say number three. A worship team, if you'd help me, for those that are here right now. We should love God, worship God passionately, thoughtfully, and practically. It says with all your body. With all your body. Notice this, Romans 12.1. In fact, look up that scripture as well, Amen. We'll make sure we get the screen fixed for the second service. Apologize for that. Romans 12.1, very, very popular scripture, but this is important because I want, want this to get into your heart and into your mind. It says, therefore, whenever therefore is there, you got to ask what it's there for, okay? We just got done with Romans chapter 11, the chapter of faith, where they identify all these heroes of faith. And so at the conclusion of that, remember, the Bible wasn't written in chapters. It was just written in letters. So if we were reading the the original manuscript, it would have went from the end of the chapter of faith right into this next statement. Because of their faith, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercies, to offer. Everyone say offer. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. True worship isn't in the song you sing, but in the life you live. In fact, in the Old Testament, the high priest, they wore a robe, a certain garment. And on the bottom of this garment, they had bells and pomegranates. And as the priest would walk the pomegranates would hit up against the bells and each bell had a different tone 
And as they walked, it would play a song. And as the priest walked correctly, it would play a melody. And what it was showing is that when we walk before God the right way, our lives, not our voice, becomes the song. Present your bodies or offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Notice this. He says, offer your what? Your what? Your bodies, not your spirit. Have you ever heard anyone say this? I can't come to the party, but I'm there with you in spirit. You know what that means? Absolutely nothing. Because on earth, listen, on earth, there is nothing you can do outside this right here. If this ain't there, you're not there. You could be thinking about them, but this on earth, separated from this, you can do nothing. Your body is what is what you offer God it's the very thing that you use to worship God and so when you that's why God says offer your bodies not your mind not your soul not your spirit offer your bodies as a living sacrifice the problem is this a living sacrifice has the ability to crawl off the altar and every time we give God something, okay, God, I'm going to give you all my life. I'm giving you every relationship. I'm giving you my money. I'm giving you my finance. Oh, that hurts. Uh, you know, may maybe, maybe next week I'll, I'll come back. And then all of a sudden we come back to church. We get convicted again. And we decide at that point, okay, God, I'm laying myself back on the altar. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Uh, there's one other thing I got to do. And as living sacrifices, we end up crawling off the very altar that we're trying to offer ourselves to God. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. We do it every Sunday morning and then we're battling with it Sunday night. See, worship takes all your strength, man. Worship takes all your effort. There are some worship services after Sunday, people ask, hey, pastor, what do you do after church on Sundays? I'm burnt. After two services, do you ever notice, I don't, I don't just whisper my way through messages. Whether the place is packed or whether there's just a handful, I always give my best. I preach to the empty seats at times. I will always give my all. And whenever I'm done, I am wasted. I am tired and the people want, might want to go out to eat, go hang out. I am emotionally, I am burnt. Why? Because I'm worshiping God with everything that I have inside of me. I'm giving everything that I have, every moment, every opportunity, not to please you, but to make sure that I stand before him one day and he says well done good and faithful servant enter into the joy of the Lord I want to give God my all I don't want to hold anything back worship is not always comfortable it's not always convenient but you make a choice why because God deserves it God deserves our praise it's not about what you do but who you do it for. To stand to your feet this morning. Thank you for downloading this message. For more information on our church, visit us at cwcbayarea.com. You can also follow us on Facebook. 
at facebook.com forward slash CWC Bay Area.